Hello, everybody. Welcome back to season two of the Multiverse Podcast. That's right. We are in a brand new season. We've got ourselves a brand spanking new logo, and we've got some familiar faces as guests this week. My name is Luke. And my name is Matthew, and I am so glad that you guys are listening to our first episode for season two of the Multiverse Podcast. Uh, we have a lot of big changes coming uh, now that the podcast has kind of changed up. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for listening last season. In total, we had 534 all-time plays. So thank you so much for all your support last season. I really hope that we can, you know, raise those numbers for this season and just and get some more people listening in. So thank you so much for that. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is that we have a crew now. So now that we're kind of trying to expand and do some bigger and better things for the podcast, uh, we have an official crew, uh, five of us right now. So in a minute, they'll introduce themselves. Um, and with that, one of the crew members' birthdays today, so we always do birthday shout-outs, so happy birthday, Mr. Logan. So, Luke, why don't you go ahead and uh, we'll have them have them introduce themselves. Cool, yeah, so we will actually start with Logan. Logan was featured in our last Airbender-themed episode pretty early on in Season 1. So, Mr. Birthday Boy, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, you know, what you're doing in school, what your role is going to be on the crew, and anything else you think that the listeners back home should know. Yeah, I'm Logan, like they said. Uh, I was on the Avatar episode and the episode talking about what's new coming to Disney Plus a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I go to Ball State with uh, Luke and Matthew. Uh, I'm TCOM, just like them, and my concentration is in audio production. Uh, they're bringing me on not as uh, a guest or a co-host this time around, but I'm going to be working back behind the scenes, doing some editing, uh, take a little bit of the load off of these guys' shoulders, uh, and since I'm doing audio production, this stuff is right up my alley. So I hope to uh, I hope to help bring good quality content to come out in good time. So it's good to be here. Cool. All right. Our next crew member is Mr. Cameron Seacrest. Cameron was on, I believe it was the second episode where we talked about Bill and Ted. Uh, Cameron, same deal. You know, what's your role going to be on the podcast? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're studying, and anything that they should know back home. Uh, I'm Cameron. I'm currently studying at, also at Ball State. I'm studying directing. I will mostly be working with the media side of things and the social media presence, just trying to get our name more out there and also trying to help expand the fan base slash post a little more frequently to help keep everyone up to date on what's going to be happening and like what will be coming up soon, dropping little hints and teasers with different pictures and stuff, and stuff like that just to kind of keep it all rolling. Yes, and this means that we will probably be making a multiverse Twitter soon, and we will an interact with people more frequently. Uh, Cameron will be entirely in charge of that. Last, we have Mr. Peyton Schaefer. Peyton was also on the Bill and Ted episode. So, Peyton, you know the drill. Just tell us about yourself. I do know the drill. Uh, yep, I'm Peyton Schaefer, and uh, I am excited. I, I'm kind of just like a, a level 10 fan. I've evolved into part of the team. I don't know where they need me. But uh, I told them that I would love to help, and uh, I'm a, like I said, I'm a huge fan, so I'm, I'm just happy to be here and, you know, giving some input and seeing if I can make this thing uh, better than it already is. Cool. So before we jump into uh, this week's episode about WandaVision's episode one and two, I just wanted to really quickly say that we are in the process of trying to get our podcast onto our campus's local radio like network. So the day that we release these episodes might change, and we will keep you guys posted and up to date on that as much as we can. So without further ado, let's get into episode one of WandaVision. Obviously, if you haven't seen this, major, major spoilers, because I know it just came out like not even four days ago. So you've been warned. Matt, 
Walk us through it. What happened in episode one? All right. So the first episode of WandaVision, it is set in the 50s, uh, and it opens up with just an old uh, black and white intro uh, that has Wanda and Vision doing their thing. It's really funny. Um, and the first episode, we're mostly just kind of getting introduced to the characters that that are in this new world. Um, and for those of you who haven't been following Marvel as closely, uh, a couple years ago, the film Infinity War came out and Vision was actually killed. So everything that's going on right now in WandaVision is strange because, you know, uh, Vision is supposed to be dead and Wanda and him are living in this reality. So uh, they're, they're living kind of the ideal American dream. Uh, you know, Wanda is the, the typical 50s uh, housewife and Vision is working at a job and Vision's boss is coming. Um, over for dinner that evening uh, because Vision is going to be getting a promotion. And so there's a lot of shenanigans. It's just a typical comedy that you would expect from some sort of 50s um, uh, TV show. And some things kind of happen that are strange, which we'll get into. Uh, and eventually the show just kind of wraps up. Happy ending. Uh, and as the camera pans out at the very end, we see that everything that we just watch is on a TV screen and that there is somebody that is taking notes and has just watched this. So. Um, I just kind of want to know your guys' initial reaction, because this is completely different than any other MCU property we have ever seen. Uh, so just kind of whoever wants to jump in, what are, your, what are your initial thoughts from the episode? I can go first. I, I just thought it was hilarious. I found myself laughing a lot more than I thought I would. Marvel movies are always funny, and I didn't expect anything different from this. But when you're watching something in black and white, you're kind of expecting a lot of the jokes to feel old and just be references that you wouldn't understand. But it, it's just funny. It's goofy. It feels like you're watching a play, is what I told them. The camera stays in one spot. It might move left to right. But other than that, the, the set feels very static. And it's, it's just interesting to see it like that. You never see these characters in places where there aren't like close-ups and, and huge long shots of these big fights. They're fighting the, the bad guy. It was just, you know, Wanda making breakfast and shattering plates that she's flying through the kitchen. It just It was really funny. I thought that the juxtaposition between the characters and the their setting was really refreshing. And I, I loved every minute of it. It was short and sweet. It felt exactly like an old episode from a sitcom. It, I think it did everything that it needed to. There were things that happened that you know are foreshadowing, but you don't know what it's foreshadowing. Even when you finish, and when you finish the second one, you have no clue what's going on yet. And I love that. I, I love how unpredictable it is, because I feel like that's the, uh, the trope that Marvel things fall into a lot, is that there a lot of the movies are one track and i love them to death They're, i i grew up with it and even though i know most of the time that the the good guy's gonna win i i love the adventure but it was cool that that it was different from that I, it felt very refreshing if i haven't already used that word a million times cool um i guess i can go next unless anybody wanted to say anything no okay yeah i think i think peyton hit a lot of the points i was gonna hit like Right now, I like I was on. I watched the episodes like last night at like two a.m. So it's a little fresh in my head. I've watched it a little more recently than you guys have, but I enjoyed it. Like it's entertaining. Right now, I mean, like you said, a lot of the Marvel movies are very one track, and this feels like it's just like multiple tracks at once. You know what I mean? Like directionally speaking, I have no clue where this is gonna go, and so I'm just kind of along for the ride right now. And I see a lot of people making like theories and stuff, and I'm I'm sitting here just wondering how people have put up together theories based off of like the very small handful of like context clues that have been provided for us um i think paul bettany is like killing it right now though like he's he was definitely my favorite to watch in both of the episodes as like since his character 
is like not human. He's what an Android, right? Yeah. Since he's an Android, him like watching him kind of struggle to try and act human like is kind of like, it's kind of what makes the show like really quirky in a sense. Cause like, it's already weird seeing, you know, uh, like a TV show that's shot in black and white in, you know, 2021 when most, almost every single TV show after like 1960 hasn't been in black and white. Um, but yeah, I don't have much to say. Like it was it was simple. There was nothing super complex about the episode. So, I'll be curious to see where they go from here. I definitely agree with what both of you guys have said so far. And then I kind of hate to say that I'm kind of one of the people that tries to keep making these theories about everything just because I'm definitely along for the ride, but I'm so excited for what this end goal could be that I can't help but think like every little thing could just mean something completely different. And I definitely come from my dad and I, growing up with him, he just he was always kind of like that as well with a lot of the Marvel movies. So I definitely inherited that trait, and I've kind of been keeping that going with him. And I've seen, I've seen both episodes two or three times now, and it's not stale. It's, it's one of those things where it's like you can go back and you can find something each time where it's like, that is still a good joke. That is still funny. So it's... I like Peyton's word of using refreshing, but I also think that it in itself is just so innately different that it can't be... Because it's, like, evolving through time, and so it's just... it's The movement is impossible. It's The movement is, like, what is enticing me to keep watching. I agree. I feel like the other guys, the liberal arts majors, are going to do a better job of explaining, like, the camera work than I would... But I feel like especially that is super entertaining from an audience standpoint. I mean, even the, the aspect ratio, like it's not, it doesn't fit your whole screen. And I think that that's very exciting. And like I said, they'll, they'll get more in depth with that because they know all the funky words that I don't. They don't teach me that in the computer <laughs> science 120. I can just, I can just write some loops that, uh, that tell you how much tax you're going to, you're going to owe and whatnot. Um, so I, I loved I loved both the episodes. Uh, I came into it a little bit biased because Wanda is like my all-time favorite superhero female. Uh, but also just because this was the Marvel show that I'm looking most forward to. Uh, I, I could sit here for five minutes and repeat everything you just said, but I completely agree with everything. Uh, I'm so happy this show is being made because I think that TV shows are definitely a way a lot of franchises can start going now. We're seeing this with Marvel and Star Wars both that like, it's not always about the movies, you know. You have such an expanded universe that you need to fit it over different mediums. Um, and I don't think we ever would have seen this story on TV. Or, uh, sorry, in the theater. You know, this this story could not fit inside of a movie. And if they wanted to, they would have to cut out so much of it. And it just, it just wouldn't work as well. Uh, so I think that this show is really going to set a precedent for all of the other Marvel shows to come. Because now they can start telling these obscure stories um, on the smaller screen. But still appealing to, like, the Marvel audience and the Marvel fan base. So... And I mean, I love the aesthetic. I loved the the Marvel opening changing from the fanfare into the staticky black and white one to one aspect ratio and everything. It was just it was a fun episode. I mean, I enjoyed it. I saw a lot of the tropes and I just like you said, Luke, Paul Bettany was so funny. Yeah, I think I think so far Paul Bettany has been the standout for the best like actor. I think I think Vision is just a really underrated character. And I don't really think... I think so far the MCU hasn't quite done him the justice that he deserves. Because in the comics, he's a really cool character. 
I feel like in the MCU, they, they were in the right direction with Age of Ultron and Civil War. And then, like, Infinity War, they... I mean, I understand why they had to kill him at the end because, you know, Thanos needed the Mind Stone. But it just feels like they're finally kind of doing him justice for his character. And I, this has been something that I've been waiting for for how many years since Age of Ultron? Not quite six years, but almost. So... I mean, it's... It's one of those things. It's kind of unfortunate how Vision had to fit into the storyline of um, the the main Marvel because like he almost felt like kind of like a trophy case for the Mind Stone, and I know he wasn't like that in the comics, and he's he's not at all like that in the show. So I feel like this is giving him a, a much deserved um, light, and I feel like all these shows and all of the because uh, they're introducing the multiverse and whatnot. So I feel like all the offshoots are going to be very interesting to see more uh, cool aspects of these characters that we didn't get to see in the uh the mainstream for sure and with a lot of these marvel shows and i guess i didn't think about it now until you mentioned it like they didn't do any shows off of like the big mainstream like they i mean yes they're doing a hawkeye show but he's been relatively mia since age of ultron or civil war i guess and so like he's getting a show we're getting to see a lot of the minor characters who didn't play as big of a role in the movies or they were kind of sidelined for certain like plot developmental reasons but it's nice to see stuff like uh i mean i'm personally most excited for uh moon knight which is going to be fun but like a lot of people don't know who he is so it's going to take a lot of time to like develop these characters so i think it's good that they're starting with familiar faces like we're getting wanda and vision we're getting you know falcon winter soldier later um i'm forgetting other things that we're getting yes loki as well loki's gonna be so much fun i am so attracted to that man (laughs) The show will be good, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like the Loki show is going to be something really similar to WandaVision in the sense that, yeah, they could have fit it into a movie, but that's, you know, maximum, like, two and a half hours that they would have done instead of spanning it over, whatever, like, six to eight episodes, anywhere from, like, 30 to 45 minutes. Like, they can do odd things. Like, I don't think that the mainstream audience necessarily would sit through a movie about Loki, you know, traveling through time and unco- uncovering a mystery. But, you know, if it's on TV, that's much more of an appealing state. Um, but I think that the TV is really kind of the way that a lot of shows sh- or a lot of, of a lot of media is going to be heading now. I think you doubt the uh, the power that Disney has just over. Audiences okay, so too. like the mainstream audience is 90 percent of people who see Marvel movies, though. People and love same Loki. Star Wars. So, like, I guess people would go see Loki. But I'm thinking like. Stuff like She-Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... Okay, so stuff like She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel and, and Moon Knight, mm-hmm. like those things, people probably wouldn't be as invested in unless they like really know the characters. Um, and I also feel like Wanda got kind of nerfed in the movies because she is by far like, she is the most powerful character in the MCU without a doubt. One of the most powerful characters in all of the Marvel Universe. And I felt like um, she kind of had to be fit in to the MCU before and, you know, her powers were kind of dumbed down a little bit. But now which we're going to get into theories after we explain the second episode. Uh, I feel like we're going to see a lot of her powers come into play and just show what she really is capable of. Well, even piggybacking off of nerfing her powers, the way she got her powers in the movies is so different because they're saying that it was given to her by Strucker because of all the experiments. But comics since day one that have had her, she's been a mutant. She's been Magneto, who was, one of, who was basically like the crime syndicate leader, of the free the mutant leader of the free world was that what his title uh, he was her daughter like that, yeah um, yep and so like kind of like ripping out so much of her backstory and impl- 
implementing an entirely different one. That kind of like just bummed me out in a sense. Right. And I know back then when they first added her, like I mean, they didn't have the rights. It was just it was still just a whole fight over who actually owned what at that point. And so I know that they could go back and rewrite everything, and maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. But like, I like that now they have the ability to like fully flesh out the character, give her on screen what she has in the comics. Yeah, I definitely think that Wanda's going to be a key, a key player to bringing in the mutants into the MCU. But that is definitely something we can talk about here in a couple minutes when we just go bonkers with our our thoughts and theories. This isn't exactly a theory. I'm just. Like, it's not a theory about the show, but I'm just going to make a guess that after WandaVision is wrapped up and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is wrapped up, she'll probably be sidelined again. That sucks. Just just the way, well, the way that they're setting it up. They're trying to implement, you know, they're working on implementing the X-Men, which, you know, that'll take t- a ton like of a time while. to yep. do. Yeah. They're going to want to focus on those characters because they haven't had the rights to those characters for so long. They're going to be, I mean, a lot of the characters, I mean, I'm saying sidelined as in, I guess I'm including retired with that as well. Like, I mean, I saw that there was like a rumor that Chris Evans is coming back to play Captain America. And then he tweeted, that's news to me, which like could be cryptic or could just be him straight up saying it's not happening. You know what I mean? I hope it's not happening. I, yeah, same. I think the only reason, and I'll keep this short because this isn't really related to WandaVision. The only reason why I wanted to come back is if somehow they pulled something from the comics where they take old Cap, DH him, and then all of a sudden he's an agent of Hydra. And then there's something like that, or has to do Secret Invasion. But I don't want it to be he comes back. I feel like that's totally a waste of, of his character's ending from Endgame. He's well, done. I mean, he's already had his story played yeah, out on the screen. True. I think the only way that he could come back and not actually legitimately come back is him be like a scroll or something. Like, the ending to Far From Home was like, I guess not really... I mean, if you saw the ending to Far From Home with the post credit scene where... You know, Nick Fury and uh, Agent Hill both turn into the scrolls. Like, they haven't really played into that much. Like, there is so much emphasis from Kevin Feige in interviews saying that, like, you know, there's no promise that any of your characters or your beloved characters weren't scrolls the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then they haven't really done anything with it since then. I'm glad they're about to do a Secret Invasion TV show. That's going to be awesome. Thank God. Also, haven't had time to do anything with that, right? I mean, Far From Home was the last, the last movie that they dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they introduced it in Captain Marvel, which takes place in the 90, 90s, yeah, 90s, right? Like early nineties. I guess so. So, technically speaking, if you're looking at the timeline, they have had every movie except for the first Captain America to do something with it. And I did guess they like, have yes. the rights? Did they have the rights to scrolls though? Because weren't they tied into the Fantastic Four? I thought they were tied into Fox. Yeah. Yeah, so if they didn't if they didn't just obtain the role the like characters so they could even use them, that would play a huge role into like what they could even do. Cuz like point. I mean, you could have totally done something with them like and included them in like Ragnarok especially just because it's so out there. But I mean that's why it take time to build the Infinity Saga. I think that was the most important thing because Secret Invasion is a whole is a whole big deal in the comics. It's like, you know, Secret Invasion, Civil War, the Infinity War, um, Secret Wars, all that stuff is like the big events that happen every couple of years in Marvel. So I feel like they needed to focus on Infinity War first, get that in Saga done, so then they could kind of focus on, on on the scrolls and everything like that. Yeah, they're shifting to a new age where instead of seeing Avengers movies, we're going to see big like X-Men, Fantastic Four, new Avengers team up. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I, I'm not to say that I'm like, I'm tired of seeing Robert Downey Jr. suit up as Iron Man, but I want to see what they can do that's new. You know what I mean? Like, you can only take, I mean, sure, there's plenty of source material with comics, but you can only take an idea for so long until it 
gets kind of roped into the same trope. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I think that the uh, the TV shows coming out is such a big move because Marvel started by giving a not very well-known character the, the screen for once and it caught on. And this is kind of like back to its roots where you, you explore characters that people really don't know all too much about. Maybe not with like the Loki show and the, the Hawkeye show, but like a lot of the other ones that they're going to do afterwards like Ms. Marvel and uh, She-Hulk and whatnot, it just, it kind of goes back to its roots where you don't know a lot about this person and you're watching it because you want to know about them and not because you feel like you have to. That's exciting. It's reinvigorating. You get to, you know, experience new things. And obviously, I think nearly every single character in the MCU has some sort of altered origin from the comics. So even if, you know, you know the character and they're a little more obscure, you don't know how, exactly how they'll play into the MCU, how exactly, you know, their origins are and, and whatnot. Uh, so anything else specific about episode one? I, I don't th- I, I don't think there's much to say. Kudos okay, to them. Like, it's a short episode. It. it was a good yeah, opening. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so going on to episode two, um, it starts off with Wanda and Vision, and they're in their two separate beds, like in the old old sitcoms. And this one takes place in the 60s, correct? This one, yeah. it's a new decade. Like, almost we'll okay. So this one takes place in the 60s, um, and it's in the middle of the night, and they hear a loud thump. Uh, and there's a whole gag um, about them trying to figure out what the noise is, and uh, they end up deciding that it's just the tree branch just hitting their window. So they go to bed, and the next day, um, they're they're practicing a, a magic show. Uh, they're going to be in a talent show for the town that they moved into to raise money for the children. Uh, for the children. And <laughs> Yes, for the children. Uh, and... What ends up happening is uh, Vision gets gum and he eats it and it ends up messing with his gears inside of him. And so he acts drunk, uh, messes up the talent show and whatnot, but they end up winning. Um, and there's a whole part with Wanda and one of the um, one of the other ladies of the neighborhood, which we'll talk about. It's a lot more of one of the creepy cryptic moments. Uh, but in the end, you know, Wanda and Vision, they win as per the, the trope. They win the talent show. Uh, they get the trophy. Everybody's happy. And then we find out as Wanda stands up and turns around that she's pregnant and the entire screen starts to change a little bit and colors start to come into it from black and white first, mostly reds. And then the entire screen is colored. Um, And they go outside and they hear this noise again and it's not a tree. It's a guy who's coming out of a manhole cover with a bee suit. And Wanda just says the simple word, no rewinds time and everybody's happy again. And that is how the episode ends. So once again, just uh, thoughts on the episode. I have a question. That's how we'll start this with a question. All right. Do we think that the thumping noise was the like the manhole cover with the bee suit? I think that the thumping that we originally heard was the helicopter. Uh, we see the helicopter toy that has crashed. I think that it was uh, it came into the pocket reality and it changed into the toy helicopter that we see. And I think that the bee man is not a bee man. I think he's an aim soldier. And when he came in, it turned him into a bee, a beekeeper. But that's something that we can definitely talk about in a minute with the whole sword aim shield thing that we were talking about the other night. Cameron Payton, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I love this episode. That Cameron's going to go and talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bold take. Go I on, pers- Cameron. I personally think that this episode actually, I enjoyed it a lot more than the first one. And I did genuinely like the first one. But the second one was just... You could tell they definitely leaned further into the sitcom feel of it, 
and like I mean obviously they moved up a decade so like I mean by that time you could argue that they had different camera technique different camera usage and all that because I mean they did do they did some slide shots and then they also had um, the pans which could add to the comedy of like what was happening and so like there was that but it was also just so I think the they had kind of like gotten their feet wet to where they could actually start going out and doing more because they realized this is what we can do with this let's make it funny because we know we can and i mean we we watched it together and we were laughing at scenes that like me Peyton and Matthew had already seen it but we were still laughing at everything cuz it was genuinely funny still i just really liked it go I... ahead Peyton. Oh, real quick. I just assumed that, like, the way that they changed the camera techniques was just, like, paying homage to the way that, like, filmmaking changed between the 50s and 60s. But that oh, is a good 100%. point that you brought up. I didn't think about it that way either. It's just ahead, the, David. like, with the different techniques that used, like, they can incite different emotions with everything. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that they were going for more of the comedy feel instead of just the you choose almost. Yeah, 100%. Peyton? You asked a question. I did ask a question. About the noise. I did ask a question about okay. the noise. I have so many answers, but I'm only going to give one. You can give a couple if you would like. I don't have any more than one. I just want to <laughs> um, Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So at the end of the first episode, right, we see that person writing. Uh, so I think that like everything that we're seeing is actually genuinely like a TV show. Like it's being projected onto a TV and someone's watching it. Um, which I don't know if that's crazy or not, or if that's just obvious and everybody got that vibe. But I'm thinking that there's no way that inside the house they would have heard a manhole cover moving. Because like when they got outside, the manhole cover was still in the ground. It's not like it would have shifted around a lot. We watched it come up and move over. And I also don't think that that sound would have been the same sound as the helicopter. So I'm thinking that the thumping that we're hearing is kind of like whoever's watching this is trying to get Wanda's attention and take her out of this place that she's in. So it's not the actual noise that the helicopter's making. It's just like, hey, are you in here? We're trying to contact you. And that's just the way that it's being portrayed in the show. Because when the... I also think it's their way of getting Wanda, like, outside. Because you don't see outside very often. And they look out the window and they stay in the bed. It They clearly failed the first time. She goes outside and finds the helicopter, but the moment's passed. But she's downstairs, and the thumping gets her to leave the second time. And that's when it, like, forces her out of this because she rewinds it. And I don't know if she remembers that she rewound it, but it's something that she did. So at the very least, the knocking is succeeding at, like, giving her some consciousness, some understanding. Like, you're not here. This isn't real. I'm trying to get in touch with you. Plus, that was after the radio talks to her. So, I don't know. I was wondering... If she remembered the rewind, because as soon as she rewinds time, it seems like nothing had changed. Like, they're just still happy. They don't even acknowledge it. Yeah, she even says the same line. Yeah. So And I don't know if that's a conscious decision or if it's just she doesn't remember. Like, she almost erased her own mind Mm because she wasn't happy with how her show was going. Just to be happy, right. Mm -hmm. So, like, if if we're thinking about this, so if you're looking at a fish tank, Wanda and Vision are inside this fish tank, and you're saying the person that's watching is tap, basically tapping the glass trying to get Wanda's right. attention. That makes or so much Wanda's sense. Or if Wanda's in some chair somewhere yeah. that's in a trance, like someone's shaking her. Uh-huh. And oh, that in the like TV show the, is like knocking. Or like at that end of, the, end of the first episode where you see the guy sitting in the chair, that could just be him like hitting the hitting the glass with like yeah. a pen or something. No, that makes a lot of sense, actually. 
Have any of you guys ever seen the Rick and Morty episode? It's like in the first season. Uh, it's called M. Night Shyamalan's. Yeah, that's where the one they're where stuck they're in the simulation. Um, yeah. I get a similar vibe. Like, I kind of get a similar vibe of that with this. Is this like the stuff with the radio didn't really make sense? And like, you know how like in Rick and Morty, they escape the simulation by like trying to get the they're trying to do as many things as possible. So the simulation can't keep up so they can escape because they're basically just on a big treadmill moving around. Right. I kind of feel like this is that's how this it could similarly go that way, I guess, in the sense of like. If they're going to try and get Wanda out, they have to stop, you know, the simulation. And somebody made the point, I think it was Peyton that made the point that Wanda and Vision are both in the simulation. I don't think that Vision is in the simulation. I think it's just Wanda going, like, I'm not going to say going insane because that's like the most, that's the most common thing that I keep hearing with the show from a lot of people that I've talked to about it. But that, that I mean, it very much could just be that she's losing her mind a little bit, right? She can't, like, cope with the fact that Vision is dead. So this is what she's resorted to. Yeah, I think that Vision, we're we're loving the way that Paul Bettany plays Vision. And I think that if Vision were in the simulation, he wouldn't be acting like that. I think that Wanda is getting a version of Vision that she wants because he's affectionate towards her and they have a life together that isn't plagued with other things. I I think that it's just if she's being controlled by somebody or if she did go crazy, she's just seeing what she wants and putting it on the TV. I don't I... even know if I'd... Go ahead. Go for it. No, I was going to explain my whole big series theory. Oh, so okay. you go ahead first. <laughs> well, I would almost say, like, I think it might be also unfair to say it's her going crazy. Because, I, I mean, like, she might not just be going crazy. She just might be struggling to cope with the idea of everything that had changed. Because, like, I mean, that's not going crazy. That's just, like, denial. So, like, she could just be in denial of, like, what has happened. And she's resorted to putting herself into her own little bubble. What the Probably the coolest thing that I'd seen so far was on someone's someone's page was, like, what, ha- what would happen if, in one of these episodes, she has Pietro come, come and greet them at their house. Which I hadn't even considered thinking about yet. Because if what this if is Agnes's really husband, <laughs> I want to talk about Agnes. After I do be... my whole big thing, we need to talk about her. There's something going on. But it was just I just saw that and I wanted to throw that out there because I think that mm-hmm. if we see if we see Pietro or like what would be now Pietro, I think that would throw such a wrench in the whole plan, yeah. and that might that might be like what would it, it would take to like wake her up. Almost. Right. Yeah. Um. So I was gonna wait to tell my theory, but you guys both just totally gave me the perfect. Segway. Segway. So. Thank you. Purpose. What if it's Evan Peters that comes in instead of uh? I can't think. Of the I have heard about that. Age of Ultron. I have heard. That'd be that very interesting. He was rumored to be in it, but you know, and a million and people take. are rumored Evan, to be. I mean, in. it's not. You're it's not really a hot in. take, but you're Evan to be reprising your role. Yeah. Um. So with Vision not actually being in the simulation, and that it's just kind of like being created for him, and with her brother. Um. So I, I, I was thinking about this the first time I had watched the trailer. Well, I think it was after the second one. Um, because it reminded me of a comic series that ran a while back. And actually, the theory that I was kind of thinking of got backed up a lot more by um, someone named Eric Voss on the YouTube channel, New Rockstars. They do really awesome breakdowns of trailers and shows. Uh, so some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, definitely 
he helped me remember because I don't know every single comic. I don't comic. I don't have the money to buy every single comic that I want to read. Uh, but there was a series of comics that um, Wanda was being manipulated by a character named Mephisto, and he's basically the devil in the Marvel Universe. Uh, and he created this reality where Wanda had children and she was happy and stuff like that. Um, and what ends up happening is that Mephisto takes back the kids uh, because he just wants to siphon her for her chaos magic, basically. Uh, and this leads her to start going crazy. Not like she's already going crazy, but she goes crazy when she loses the kids and realizes they weren't real. Uh, and that's what creates... Uh, she, she creates a world where there are, are no mutants and where her father is in charge of everything. So I think that this makes a lot of sense, especially because, you know, they're talking about how it's going to change everything, lead into the multiverse, stuff like that. So if she does start warp warping reality... Um, it'll connect straight into Doctor Strange. Maybe he's, you know, even responding to what she's done, like fixing it. Um, Who's to say... Oh, sorry, I thought you were finished. My bad. No, I'm almost done. Uh, so, Peyton, with what you said, Vision probably isn't real. This is probably like a created scenario for her to make her feel happy. And if Quicksilver shows up, then she's going to be like, hold on, I know he's dead. I know there's no way that he came back. Like, And that could be kind of a trigger. So I think that Agnes is totally working with Mephisto which we can talk about. And I think that uh, S.W.O.R.D. is responding to everything, which I know we should definitely talk about because we had a good conversation about that um, on, on Friday or Saturday. Who's to say that she... I already lost my train of thought. Doctor Strange. No, it was like you were talking about a pocket reality. Mm -hmm. um, and you said, like, what if she creates the po like a pocket reality? Who's to say that she hasn't already created it, though? And, like, this is what like the tapping we hear or like the strange noises and stuff is them trying to get her to stop because you know she's doing some kind of damage in like the real world and stuff and she's not even like consciously aware that she's doing it yeah because i, I like that, that too but at the end of endgame i feel like she's content you know obviously she's broken over the fact that vision is gone but she doesn't seem like she's she's going crazy you know when she's talking to hawkeye uh, and he's talking about how nat is dead and and so is vision and uh, she doesn't seem like she's starting to go crazy. So I think that someone is manipulating it around her. Um, and obviously, I could be completely wrong. She could be doing this pocket reality herself, but that's why we hear uh, Wu, and he's like, hey, who's doing this to you? What's going on? But it also is contradicted because all the characters just keep looking at her and saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, over and over again. Like, she's the one causing it. So I think that's really... I mean, we could be guessing for days, and either either side could be right, or we could be completely wrong, but they both make sense. There's so much evidence to back up both of those things because... Honestly, they contradict each other. The people inside of this reality are contradicting what the people on the outside are saying. Yeah, I don't and... think that they have to be totally separate theories or ideas. Because mm -hmm. no, I, I, I was just preaching about how Wanda is the only one and blah, 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 blah. But I, she can't be the only person in this reality because we see the blonde lady break. We see... So I think that maybe somebody triggered something in Wanda, maybe Mephisto, if that's the name that you're saying, if I heard you right. Um... After he did whatever he did, Wanda is, like, taking real people and putting them in her TV show. But then that, that begs the question of, like, why is Vision there? So, like you said, we could be talking forever. But I think that at least a number of these characters are people that, like, got sucked into it. Because, like I said, you see the lady who breaks the glass right before the radio. You see her, like, break character. She doesn't know who Wanda is. I doubt she knows where she's at. And then as soon as the radio stops and as soon as the camera gets back to where it needs to, she's 100% back in character. How do you get blood out of white linen right. by doing it herself? You know, that was a creepy line. It was. Yeah. Okay. I, 
Oh, go ahead, Cam. No, I'll, I'll be going for a while if I start. Okay. Go for I just have one final thing that can maybe, like, kind of tie these all together. And earlier, Matt, you had mentioned, like, at the end of Endgame, she seems content when she's talking about Hawkeye. And, I mean, it doesn't seem like something that Marvel would do, but I I figured I might as well touch up on it. So in the, like, 0.01% chance that I'm somewhat right about this, I can, you know, put suck it on my Twitter. <laughs> right, there's there's so, proof right here of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just be like, if you don't believe me, come watch the Multiverse podcast posted every here. Mondays at 9 a.m. except for this episode. Uh, no, but I was going to say, like, she seems content, but also, like, you can be... Maybe she's not necessarily content, but, like, she has kind of accepted the fact that Vision's dead, and it's, like, one of the stages of grief. Like, somebody talked about in being in denial earlier, and maybe there's different parts of this that we're going to see where she goes through all five stages of grief, you know what I mean? Like, maybe we're seeing, you know, we're seeing denial as the first one, and maybe as the episode, because how many episodes do we have? Ten? I think there's ten episodes. I feel like I read somewhere. It's either ten or it's eight, and it, I'll say just for the... For this theory that I'm making up on the spot, excuse me, that there's, you know, every two episodes is going to be like a different stage of grief. It doesn't have to be in chronological order because not everybody obviously experiences all five stages or even experiences any of them. Like some people just don't. But I'd be curious to see if Marvel did a take on like Wanda. And I say, again, I don't like using the trope going crazy like Cameron said earlier because like she is grieving the loss of like the only other person besides her brother who genuinely did like love and care for her and had her priorities at heart over other people's. Um, but I would, it'd be curious to see is like, as the series progresses or as the season progresses each, like every two episodes is like a different stage of her grief. And then when she gets to acceptance, that's maybe when like the pocket reality becomes like the, like the, the main reality that like we live in. And then out of nowhere, poof, here comes like Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Or, like, you know, they subtly start mentioning people that we haven't heard of before in the MCU, but maybe they're mentioning, like, mutant characters or something. Or, like, maybe, I wouldn't say Fantastic Four because, like, I feel like, I mean, she does mainly just kind of coincide with the X-Men, I guess, and the Avengers. But I'd just be curious to see, like, it'd be cool to see Marvel do, like, a take on mental health. Like, I think that mental health doesn't get talked about enough, and I don't mean to get on, like, a soapbox here and preach about it because I'm not an expert. But I think if a mainstream media company actually did something like this, it'd be good. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the show Euphoria, but that definitely has – that plays into that a little bit. Actually, a lot. So I'd be curious to see because, like, WandaVision is very family – it's supposed to be family-friendly. Most of the MCU content is. I mean, there's an occasional swear word here and there, but we'll see. Well, now that Deadpool's confirmed. <laughs> yes, sir. He's confirmed art, too. True. Thank God. Wouldn't be the same. I, I didn't I don't see think... the. Did any of you guys see the uh, the PG thirteen Christmas Deadpool? Yes, Matt I did. Was that any good? It's actually really funny. Yeah. Okay. I figured that they would still find I a mean, way to make it. I mean, if they would have had PG thirteen and the and Deadpool in the MCU, they would have just made jokes all the time about how he couldn't be rated R. Like he just would. Do oh, like how he if... wanted to, how he was gonna like save to say the F word and then someone would yeah. steal it from him. But it would be yeah. way funnier for him to be rated R. Just period. Yeah, I think that joke of like, oh, I can't say the F word would get really old. Like, not after a while, but like, eventually you would run out of ways of like trying to refresh the whole thing of like, he can't say the bad word, you know? But thank God that Marvel's making Deadpool rated R because I. I've seen every Marvel and like X Men movie except for Dark Phoenix because that one doesn't exist. Um, No, it doesn't. But I honestly, if it was pg-13 and that was his entry into the mcu like if they put him in later projects whatever like that's fine he can be a pg-13 character there and i wouldn't complain they'll just cut 
I don't know. Like, right as he's about to say it, they just cut to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. That Dark Phoenix line really spoke to me because, uh, and back to WandaVision, right after I watched Dark Phoenix, I said no, just like Wanda and I rewound <laughs> to before I had seen the movie. <laughs> and oh I'm in a better God. place now because of it. Is it a better, a better reality? Place now? It is. I don't want to know what Peyton from the pre-rewind is the doing darkest right because he's bad. He's, yeah. he's probably trying to defend X He's not doing it. For being a... Yeah, he's he's struggling right now. You guys probably already kicked him off. Guys, it's actually pretty good. You just have to give it a chance. Uh, you don't understand. Oh. Sophie Turner's so high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Cameron, I want to hear. I want to hear what you're gonna say. Um, so then... I actually just came up with this. So this might be c- complete and totally horrible. But don't worry, I'll call you out on it if it is. That's more than fine. I'm I'm expecting <laughs> it at this point. After after the kidding, tech issues, after all the tech issues, I expect it. So, Peyton brought up um, the the blonde chick that just like w- snapped out of it, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, wait, what's going on? Who are you?" And all this, and then she went back to her character. So I don't know if you guys read. I know at least Matthew read some of the old older comics, and back when back when I read them, um, one of the the director of Sword. Who is we've made mention of already, and we've seen the logos everywhere so far. So the director of Sword was actually a a woman who was like known. She didn't have any powers or anything. She was just really close with Nick Fury. She just did all this stuff, and she just knew so much. She hot? so not bad, but um. So she's so that helicopter Matthew said earlier what if that helicopter was a real like like a life size helicopter at least that's how i took it came into the pocket reality became a toy if that if that thing was coming into the reality my assumption would be that it would have to have a person in it if it had a person in it that person doesn't appear until after the helicopter has already landed we don't meet this character until after the helicopter scene so she is just now introduced into the world cuz mention isn't even made of her yet it's Missy. That's her character name, I believe. Dottie. is oh, the blonde one. Yeah. Dottie's the blonde if one? We okay. say her name again. So, Dottie. But Agnes is the one that tells, like, after they find the helicopter and everything. That's, I believe that's the first mention of Dottie, at least. Because before that, she's just like, oh, we're going to the, the pool or whatever to make the plans for the charity event. Queen cul-de-sac. Yeah, she's she's labeled as the queen and all this and all, all high and mighty. We know she was already like relatively high and mighty because she's the director of whatever organization. And on top of that, she would we would know that she would have some form of affiliation with her just because you know trying to save the same world she is. So I mean, correlation between the two would be a very cool spinoff into the confirmation of I guess that character. Hang on, so Go you're for trying it. to say just like streamlining it. Dottie came into this reality on a helicopter. Yeah. On the helicopter that ended up in the bush. So that's why Dottie's real and why she breaks when the radio starts to talk to Wanda. That's what I'm saying, yeah. your grand idea. Okay. Just in less words. I just wanted to make sure I was on the same pitch. Does that go So her name would be, her name is Abigail Brand. That is Sword's direct, that's Sword's director. She's half mutant, half alien hybrid. Hmm. So, I mean, that's mutant. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know how to respond. Is that for the laugh track? Does your girlfriend listen to our podcast? Uh, I mean, I'll make her listen to this one. She'll okay. find it funny. Just it hey, Logan, funny. new editor, cut that out so uh, we don't have to deal with breakup drama no, on the just, podcast. I'll wait until she calls me 
right before the uh, the next podcast, and that's how we'll open it up. With what she said. Like... Peyton, what do you think? <laughs> it's just me getting yelled at. That'd be funny. Um, I do want to talk about two characters really quick, if we have time. The first one is the character with no name that just shows up at the pool when they're talking about the fundraiser for the children. Uh, and she's the only one besides Agnes that really seems to be talking and on Wanda's side, you know, she's, you know, talking bad about Dottie and how she's scared and whatnot. Um, and this is Monica Rambeau, which is um, the, the older version of her. And we saw her in Captain Marvel. She was Captain Marvel's friend's daughter. So the daughter is now grown up and she is here in this reality with Wanda. And in the comics, she also has powers. Um, so I wonder, you know, is she an agent of S.W.O.R.D.? And she got sent in and now she actually doesn't remember anything. You know, like if these characters are coming into this reality and they, they lose their memories and they think they're just living in a sitcom, like does she actually know that she has a mission? You know, or was she like an experiment? Hey, let's see if we can throw her in there and bring her back out. Um, so I guess I kind of just want to mention that. Do you guys have anything to say about about Monica? Well, I, thought, I was thinking about this, right? Like what if it's kind of paradoxical is like if Wanda's self-aware that it is like a pocket reality or a simulation that she's in and she can destroy it, like, what if that's why they're pretending, like, oh, they don't know who you are, or, like, they don't know who they are, and when they break, that's when they kind of remember, like, why they're there, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I'm not, I don't have any evidence to back this up, I'm just, like, I'm just throwing theories out, so in the off chance that I get one of them right, I can, again, get on my Twitter and say, suck it. That's what I've been doing the whole time, I don't know if you've been getting those vibes from me. Oh, I've trying, everything everybody said, <laughs> I've said everything that has oh, ever 100%. crossed my yeah, mind. I agree. You're yep. completely right. <laughs> yeah, I want to be right by completion. Um, the other character that I really want to talk about is Agnes. I think that every single thing that has come out of her mouth has some sort of double meaning. Um, I want to, we can talk about Ralph here in a minute because she mentions him all the time and we kept, we kept joking about it. Uh, the one specific the thing, humor. like the, I hate my wife, I hate my husband type of yeah. humor that like boomers just love. And it worked, man. I was, it worked I was so well. laughing hard. Uh, the one part in the second episode when, uh, Agnes says something about, or Dottie says, the devil is in the details, and Agnes says, that's not the only place he is, while drinking. All right, well, the obvious is like, you know, alcohol, the devil's in the alcohol, the devil's in Dottie, because, you know, she's a jerk or whatever, but I totally think that this is pointing towards her working with Mephisto in some way. Um, because... I thought you were about to go on a big alcohol bad tangent, and I was just no, gonna laugh. No, no, no. This relates back to the MCU. I promise. Okay. Uh, I think that she's like an but agent of Mephisto. Yeah, alcohol yes, is bad. I don't drink. Shout out, mom. She might even be Mephisto. Who knows? Like the. Yeah, yeah. She could be like disguised. There's nothing that points that, or maybe she's not disguised. Ghost from uh, the second Ant Man wasn't. That is female true. Gender in the comics. Um, There's a very possible chance that. Um, that's how you keep the show on. Whatever her name is, Agnes is the devil. There's also it's a, funny though a witch character called Agatha in the comics who helps Wanda train her powers and ends up being the one that shows her how to magically impregnate herself because obviously Vision's an android. Um, so I wonder if, if Ag Agatha, Agnes, sorry, I keep getting the two names confused, if she's working with Mephisto because, you know, they keep saying for the children in the show, there is not one single child in any of these episodes. They're obviously all manipulating Wanda to have these kids for some reason i mean even if it has nothing to do with my theory there's some reason why they're manipulating her and keep saying this to talk about children you know the first thing that wanda's neighbor says when she comes in is like how are you where's your husband are you married 
where are your kids? And then when the boss's wife comes in, she's like, how long have you lived here? When did you get married? And why don't you have children? You know, it's they're suddenly like wanting to have kids. There's something bigger going on here, especially with all these characters reminding her for specific reasons. They're doing a good job. They they got her pregnant in two episodes, so it didn't take a lot of convincing. <laughs> Not only that, she's also like four months pregnant yeah. after like 60 minutes. It's yeah, like that meme. Really Next good. thing I knew, I was pregnant. Exactly. What's that show, like 19 Kids and Counting? Um, I don't know, probably. So, um, I how you can have that many kids. What else? Is there anything else you guys have? Because we talked about Sword a little bit. Uh, we, you know, I think they're basically just monitoring because they're the offshoot of Shield that kind of does the intergalactic threats, but they're changed for the for the MCU. It's not intergalactic, so I think it's just gonna be like more mystical threats, I guess. Um, the Beekeeper. That was the last thing I wanted to ask about. What do you think's up with the Beekeeper? Because we talked about it briefly, if it was just the noise, but there's something going on you know they made a whole big deal out of it in the show and in the um in the trailer i think there's absolutely nothing going on have you never seen a beekeeper crawl out of a manhole at night matt i mean like that happens every other day but since it's so common why wouldn't they show well, it at least in muncie fine <laughs> here in True. muncie actually beekeepers crawl out of the sewers every single day that's a fun fact muncie fact beekeeper is code word for meth head oh my god <laughs> Something that I think a lot of people don't realize is that the buzz of insects at night comes from the sewers and its bees. It's how it keeps really? your honey ah, fresh. So it's projected yeah. through like a speaker, like a sound system? Is that what you're saying? The noise? No, it is just like... rumbles the earth. The sewers <laughs> oh, go everywhere. It rumbles through the ground. So are you saying the sewers so this, are a labyrinth that this I can is kind of, New York from? It's kind of like a sponsorship from the sewer department. They're like, hey, there's bees. We didn't know how to tell you, but there are bees. And they just bought their There's way no the crocodiles show. in This is a the real sewers. theory that we're working with. Let's, let's elaborate more on this. This seems perfectly oh logical. God. We're going to trash all those other theories because they were awful. Mm-hmm. Bees in the sewers. All right, so with our last five minutes. Do they, coincide, do, they, do they collaborate with rats at all? Like, I mean, y'all, back to Rick and Morty, y'all have seen Pickle Rick, right? A bunch of bees inside. In of, costumes? In a fursuit. Ooh, like a Trojan just, horse, but like a Trojan exactly, rat? But with ah, bees. I see. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> On Saturday, <laughs> I can't believe we just talked about bees in this. You sewer. cannot deny the inevitability that is rats are bees. Um, We're gonna make an anatomical chart. What if it's like Ratatouille where the bee controls the rat? Oh my god, I knew we were gonna talk about Ratatouille at some point. Okay, um, so this beekeeper we talked about on Saturday how he might be an aim agent because he might be a rat. They have um, they they have the suits that look like the beekeeper outfits. They're yellow, and in the last two episodes, um. Who's to say the bees aren't keeping him? <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. In the, in the first two episodes, at the end of the show, when Wanda and Vision are sitting there, and like the people are applauding and stuff, there's a little hexagon shape that comes in, you know? That could either be referring to Wanda's hex magic, or it could be... A honeycomb. Aim, or a honeycomb, you know? So I'm really riding this theory. And like an actual, not the bees are the rats living in the sewers. What do you think is up with the, with the beekeeper in the sewer? Well, I think you summarized it perfectly. The, the bees are the rats in the sewers. <laughs> I'm leaving. I actually don't know. I think that, like, obviously this pocket dimension, this realm has its limits. Same as, like, it it kind of, back to the Rick and Morty thing, if you run far enough, you're going to run off the treadmill. So I don't think that there are any sewers. I think that that is just somebody breaking through into the reality. And I don't know if AIM has anything to do with it. I don't think we've heard from AIM in the MCU. I think that... I think uh, that they're mentioned in like did the a Spider-Man bit. No, no, no. Game? Aim was from Iron Man 3. Iron Man 2. 2 with Hammer. Three. Number 2 with Hammer. 
Yeah, but okay. three was no. Th wait, we're talking about aim, right? Mm -hmm. Justin Hammer. Yeah, Aldridge Kill no Aldridge Killian does aim. Hammer does hammer tech. Those are two different things. I yeah. think that I think that you're oh, right. Oh, we did talk about this. Yeah, no, it's Aldridge Killian in charge of aim, but Hammer Industries. Advanced idea mechanics. But Hammer is the one that around. funds them, right? No. Also, apparently Strucker is one of the leaders of aim. Interesting. Well, that's I who gave did. that's who gave them their uh, their powers in the MCU maybe, at least. Maybe Wanda Strucker's is dead, like though, afraid. I well, I mean, if we're going back in time like this, he would be alive and well. You saw the Strucker watch. Oh, true. Those were the beautiful. Sorry, keep going. Maybe the, the last episode, right before we round up, is just us talking about every commercial. That'd work. We need to have an um, episode about this this B theory. I'm genuinely intrigued. I would be there. No. All right, thank you for joining us this week. We will buzz. talk to you guys later. Where's that Discord sound uh, effect? Gonna... Hold on, yeah. really quick. I know we, we could spend a lot of time on the commercials. I want to bring them up really quick, just because I feel like they're super important. So not to shoot down your idea, Peyton. I apologize. That's just like the one thing that I forgot to talk about. Uh, the first one... Well, first of all, all of the slogans that keep showing up in these are like super cryptic and it's like life is what you make it, forget your past, this is your reality, stuff like that. Um, the toaster, the only light that shows up is red and the toaster face kind of looks like it could be visions. And then in the second one, uh, the second um, commercial, it's for a watch which has the Hydra logo and Strucker. And Peyton, you and I were talking about this, it's the same guy in both commercials, mm -hmm. but a different girl. So you said maybe he's Mephisto. Yeah, I just... Like I said, I, I've been piggybacking off of your theory, just in case you're right. Well, what was I yours agree. about um, about Nightmare? Because we know that WandaVision ties Cameron directly had the Nightmare into stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a, so Multiverse of Madness. Mine was about Nightmare. I said Nightmare could be controlling her throughout all this, because Nightmare's powers are not limited to just terrifying her, but also mm -hmm. if you do want to say he's just terrifying her, she's more than powerful enough to literally just warp that around. And so she's still trapped, but she's trapped in a pleasant reality. Well, maybe well, that's what have you ever had a nightmare that's bad the whole time? This could become uh, a nightmare when she has kids rats, and they're taken from that her. That would be a nightmare. That that would be no. the whole time. That's a dream come true. Shut your mouth. That would be that is nightmare through and through. No, but I'm serious. Like we've no, only I know seen two episodes of this story. Uh, it, it could still be a nightmare, and mm -hmm. it can't stay good. There's clearly parts of it that are getting creepier, and the segments where it's creepy are getting longer. And when they are creepy, they, so, they are creepy. They are creepy. No, yeah. Right. Like, the so this blood. could just be the start of a nightmare. Mm -hmm. it, it, it cannot stay Wanda's dream forever. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, so there's my two cents. Yeah, but he doesn't agree, he doesn't agree with my theory, so... He's not piggybacking off well, of this Well, you don't one. agree on the rat theory, so... I feel like I have pretty good reason. Uh, I hit my quota. On, uh, on you have no logic behind why you don't agree with the rat theory, and I'm going to hold this against you for the rest of your life. At Until your funeral, we... I will come to your funeral and say, he didn't believe my rat theory, and then spit on your tombstone. Well, was your rat theory correct? That's... We better find out on Friday. <laughs> Alright. That's going to be the first drop on the Twitter. This was an excellent segue. We are exploring the sewers of Muncie. And we're going to catch bees. Join us, go join us on bees. Instagram Live at 7pm. We're going to try and find some bees in the sewers. Um, anything else about the episodes before we wrap up, or about uh, season two and whatnot? Season two being of the multiverse podcast, not of Wandavision. Don't worry, we are not from the future. All right, we so you thought. Yeah, plus, I, I, I think mean, that you guys bold. said this isn't even a, a season tour. I think that you just said this is a one and done. If that holds up for the uh, Wandavision, 
I thought it Nobody's was just a one. I hope it's a one and done. It'll it'll lose some of its charm if it's more than one season. It just yeah, depends what I they end up doing with all of it. I think I said oversaturate. Yes. You don't want to oversaturate these characters. And that's the thing so with these TV shows too is like if they're gonna yeah. make stuff like this, like I think the reason that I mean I remember Kevin Feige saying something that it's gonna be a little while until we see a big team up, and I I feel like it's probably just because he doesn't want people to get burnt out on the team ups. Like the team ups are supposed to be cool. They're also supposed to be special. Feel, like, Exactly, yeah. and after seeing it happen twice in, like, almost 365 days, the second one actually didn't feel as cool as the first one, in my opinion. Of course, I'm referring to, like, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, because like you said, like we were talking about earlier, there Burnout. are events that happen in the comics every couple of years, and it's like, boom, oh, Civil War, wow, everything is different about, about the comics now. The team-up should be really special, you know, we spend the next couple of, of years developing these characters in the, in the TV show, you know, Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel and, uh, you know, Wanda, Vision, whoever else they decide they want to do stuff with. And then we get, like, the new Avengers, where they form different teams, or, you know, we see the Fantastic Four and they create the Future Foundation, stuff like this. You know, the team-up becomes something special and more of just, and rather than being a staple that we see every couple of years, it's like, oh, wow, it's been 10 years since Infinity War came out, wow, I didn't expect to see, you know a team up with all of these brand new characters that have been coming out, something like that. Yeah, and it's, I agree. I guess, like, if there's one team up that's already been done that I want to see a little justice, it's the Defenders. 100%. That, I don't, we haven't, I, we have not talked about Defenders at all on, on any of the episodes, but, um, how do I, like, I don't know, I'm not going to go and say that Daredevil is the best Marvel show, but, it, Kind of is. It's also, yeah, it's one of the only Marvel, well. It's the first Marvel TV show that I don't feel like got the credit it deserved because it got a Netflix release and there wasn't a ton of advertising for it. It kind of just came out. But Charlie Cox absolutely kills it in that role. And I really hope since Netflix officially, their contract with the Defenders is up and now it goes back to Disney. Allegedly, Charlie Cox is supposed to be in the new Spider-Man. I'm That's what I heard. Really, Everybody else really, is going to be in Spider-Man too. So. I'm excited to see Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm literally fact, confirmed I'm appearing, for Spider-Man Three. I'm gonna appear as the main character, actually. Tom He's Holland's barely in the movie. Yeah. He's but, just reprising a role. It's like, like yeah, it's I'm like excited to. Uh, it's like to Hannibal, see the uh, Anthony Hopkins. He won his Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for only appearing for a total of 12 minutes of screen time in Silence of the Lambs when he won that. That's exactly what it's gonna be like for Tom Holland because I'm gonna steal the thunder of that movie. Uh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really going to wrap it up for us this time. Uh, we're going to stick to the same sort of format we did for The Mandalorian. Rather than having uh, every week be WandaVision, we'll do every other week. Uh, so these lovely guests and uh, workers, crew members, we're going to be together every couple weeks to do WandaVision. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll have different episodes and whatnot. Uh, if you made it to the end, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Please help to promote this, uh, especially when we're going through the changes. It is going to be really hard getting the the attention that we need to be able to expand. And, you know, not everything's going to happen at once. And we're not going to get it onto the, the Cardinal Radio overnight. We're not going to get, you know, a large following overnight. But, you know, stick with us. We have a lot of great stuff that's kind of planned out right now. Um, but, yeah, just thank you for being here. Uh, and I will see you in the next episode. I've been Matthew. I have been Luke. I've been Peyton. I've been Cameron. And Logan has been sitting in dead silence the entire time with his mic muted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. I will catch you guys behind the scenes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode.